podcasting played nobody. Uh, the best college football game of the week was on Monday night. Yes. Texas Tech and Cal. <laughs> I'm happy. Like, you know, after all the jinxing that I've done for coaches, I wrote a piece on Monday morning for SB Nation that was just basically like, hey, uh, even if you don't like the NFL, watch this freaking game because these two teams are, well, A, it's going to be a Big 12, Pac-12 style shootout, but also these two teams are doing really, really interesting things and you should watch them. Uh, and then they actually helped me out. Like, uh, unlike... Most of the coaches I've talked to over the last like 13 months or so, uh, they, the, the, I, I did not jinx them. Uh, they reaffirmed what I was saying and even one up to what I was saying. So thank you, Rams and Chiefs. It was um, inarguably collegiate. Yeah. How, like, I, I, I should have checked this before, but I, I don't do any sort of prep. Um, 50 plus points for the Chiefs. I realized they scored a defensive touchdown. 50 plus points. And five turnovers. Like, like it was a Big that, Twelve game, flat like out. That's not even even in the Big Twelve. You don't. That, that's almost like as as our friend Shakar Group just pointed out. There's a little Pac-12 after dark going on there. Once you start getting the turnovers and the defensive scores involved, that's almost more Pac-12 than Big Twelve. But it was something, and, and it really is. Like I I randomly referenced on Twitter yesterday afternoon that you should watch this game too because I think what the Rams are doing. It, it, like usually the innovation trickles upward, but I think we're going to see some of this innovation trickle downward um, in that like the Rams use bunch formations like crazy. When you just yeah. see their alignment, you're thinking, oh my God, that's like Stanford style 17 tight ends. Wait, that guy's 180 pounds. That guy's clearly not a tight end. What the hell's going on? Um, and they they do such an amazing job of basically at that point you can like this is this is me getting like the nerd and me getting really excited. At that point, think about the geometry of like having three guys bunched together near, near the line where you've got like space up ahead but also space over to your right or to your left and you can kind of almost angle different route combinations in different ways to create different problems for the defense but then the rams also do such a good job of self-scout and make sure that any trend they show they do the opposite in the very next game so they're unscoutable um it's you know, when the West Coast offense trickled down to college, when some of those coaches, the Bill Callahans and whatnot of the world, brought it down to college and then realized, well, crap, I can't coach this in 20 hours a week. Uh, and they had to simplify it. It didn't really work. I think a lot of these ideas are are coachable at the college level, and I think we'll see innovation start trickling down in that regard. Meanwhile, the Chiefs, are the, the Chiefs that's pure Texas Tech triple, uh, trickling up as well. So it's kind of an interesting little uh, marriage right now. Uh, it was one game, but it's the way that you're seeing the Rams play week in and week out and the attention that people are already starting to give to the age and the education of Sean McVay and talking about Lincoln Riley all the time, which was the first thing people were talking about this morning on Twitter. Um, by the way, I'm sorry the Falcons couldn't beat the Cowboys so they could, so the Cowboys could get rid of Garrett and hire Lincoln Riley. <laughs> I'm sorry we let you guys down. This is um, one game and... And one trend, and as someone who watches these trends, usually victimize my favorite sports team. Uh, I remember Zone Read a couple years ago was going to forever change the NFL, and everyone was going to run Zone Read, and every quarterback would be mobile. And you know that wasn't entirely true, but that also wasn't entirely false. Um, I do think this is validation for a lot of um, uh, big hunks of college football philosophy, and. It's funny because I I was thinking about this a lot last year. While we were putting together foul play, we were going through like a lot of archival footage from the draft that uh, that Laramie Tunsil, the whole bong thing. Um, Jared Goff got drafted that year. Yeah, and we go that. through. I hated that pick, by the way. I was well, I didn't hate it. I was nervous about it. It felt like an overdraft. Uh, well, the, it was it was the last time I can remember the NFL media being so lockstep in their denouncement of the college game because right. Jared Goff was a born bust because he came from this particular <laughs> system um, and, and, you know, played for Sonny Dykes. And now he's not. And it turns out that you can pull elements from almost every system. And if a quarterback has a really good arm and a really good head and he's he's big and physical and 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 uh, durable. Hell, I think durable is probably the most important thing in the league. <laughs> right. um, I mean, look at Marcus Mariota. Like, it doesn't matter. That argument may finally be over. Like, I think yeah. that's why I got blocked by Pete Prisco on, <laughs> I think, just relentlessly dogging out these NFL guys <laughs> who have absolutely no IQ of the college game whatsoever. Now seeing the trend overtake them again, just like it did with Zone Reed. 
I mean, maybe this is just destined to happen every couple of years yeah. where the league fights off inevitable change. <laughs> and then one OC is like, no, actually, like we can use this and be really good with that. Yeah. So like two things about last night. First of all, it, it, we, we, this has become like, this is what the NFL, the NFL is the big 12. No, the NFL still has a lot of terrible offenses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, I wrote a piece about this, like, I don't know, a month and a half ago or whatever, uh, since I'm an NFL writer and this is an NFL podcast. Um, you know, it was basically like seven offenses were doing things that come at a different level than we usually see. Uh, you know, there's the innovator, the, you know, the different style of innovators with young quarterbacks with the Rams and the Chiefs. Then you had basically like old quarterbacks who are still who are figuring out, you know, so using some of the new stuff to to dominate. Like, sorry, Drew Brees, uh, Philip Rivers, mm. uh, guys like that. Where you know, so you have these offenses that are definitely a step ahead, but it's only like seven of them. And then there are a few who are probably better than the typical average offenses. The the below average and bad offenses are horrible. That was like that that was my favorite tidbit in the Kansas City piece I wrote yesterday was that Patrick Mahomes right now heading into last night's game had according to our Sports Info Solutions data had a uh, a success rate of thirty four percent on pa- in passing when he gets hit. Uh, that is better than the Cardinals or the Bills have just as a passing success rate, including all passes, including clean pockets and everything else. So this is definitely a, like a moment of separation for the NFL in that some offenses have really figured things out and others are going to have to figure out what the hell do we do here, either to stop them or to join them. Uh, but it's definitely not a, hey, in every NFL game's 48 to 44 now. No, no, that's very not, much not the case. Um, the other thing that I was going to mention, it was, it was amazing last night watching NFL fans – realize that they could enjoy themselves like it can a, be fun a friend of mine on on uh on this morning in he lives in kansas city was mentioning that there were some national analysts he wouldn't say who um who was grumbling this morning on the radio about how they just they were scoring too quick in the fourth quarter that's terrible game management blah, 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 blah. um because that's that's the natural state of so many NFL writers is, is it's, this is about struggle and pain and critique, not holy crap. This is fun to watch. I'm going to just let this wash over me for a little bit. And so that's going to be an interesting uh, thing to follow. And it's also going to be, man, the draft the next year is going to be fascinating too. Like, well, it's kind of a bad year for this in that there really aren't too many interesting quarterbacks, but just, I, w- I want to see like how to, now that teams have soaked in, like, my God, there is so much more offensive potential here. And maybe there are some of these college concepts, concepts that not only should we bring, we absolutely have to bring to the table uh, or they go the bunch route with the Rams. But whatever. I want to see what that means for the draft. Like, how, how do draft habits change now? Um, does it do they even overvalue quarterbacks even more than before? Do they overvalue receivers? Do they overvalue defensive ends? I'm really curious about that. Um, last thing, by the way, I just pulled on sports reference. Uh, there are 12 games in college football since 2000 that have, mm-hmm. where a team has scored 50 points and turned the ball over five times. There's only one in the pros Kansas city last night. Uh, but this is a, this is a fun list number. Uh, so going from recent to late or most latest, uh, most latest, whatever that it's works. early. Uh, 2015 Colorado state turned the ball over five times while scoring 65 points on Savannah state. Uh, lots of fumbles. 2014 Memphis uh, with Paxton Lynch scored 55 points and threw three picks, turned the ball over five times against BYU. AM 2013, Johnny Manziel scored 56 and turned the ball over five times. Toledo in 2011, the height of Maction, scored 66 points uh, in that win over like 66 63 win, I think, over Western Michigan, turned the ball over six times. Michigan and Rich Rod's last year against Illinois, 67 points, five turnovers. Rice in 2007, uh, was that Todd Graham? I don't remember. Uh, seven turnovers and 56 points against UTEP. Houston in 2007 against Rice, 56 points and five turnovers. So Rice did it in both directions that year. Rice did it again in 04 with San Jose State. Uh, San Jose State did it <laughs> to Rice. That's, oh my God, that same game, October 2nd, 2004. 70 to 63, San Jose State, 133 combined points, 10 combined turnovers. Nebraska did it in an 04 with the aforementioned Bill Callahan uh, against Western Illinois. Stanford did it in 02, San Jose State. And Hawaii did it to BYU, 72 points and five turnovers in 01 so BYU has allowed this twice San Jose State has allowed this twice and San Jose State and Rice did it to each other in the same game in 04 I think the uh high value content for this to really crystallize I think I think you would need a game like last night now Monday Night Football helps and the fact that they both had one loss helps but 
I think you would need this to happen in a divisional or conference championship game in the playoffs. And then I think, <laughs> yeah. then I think really the conversation starts to change because going back to that zone read year, it was the fact that um, Russell Wilson and Kaepernick were doing it in the playoffs. And that specifically is what garnered so much attention from so right. many different. Yeah, people. it is. It's an imitation league, but it really, like, it really, really does seem like you have to see it with your eyes that it, you can win the Super Bowl doing it before you actually change. And and so Philadelphia last year, I think, it was a a major catalyst. Uh, just in the fourth downs department, they didn't even like you know spread concepts, college concepts, which means really nothing already. It, it is already an extremely nebulous kind of whatever term. I think teams became more willing uh, because Philadelphia won the Super Bowl. And it's silly to to need that bar, that burden of proof, but I think it's absolutely the case. All right, we're done talking about the NFL because I don't want to oh. talk about what's about to happen on Thanksgiving. This is Podcast Ain't Played Nobody. It's a college football marriage of numbers and words. That's a robot, Bill Connolly. He's the inventor of the S&P Plus analytics system. Uh, he is the writer of several books. You can find them on the Amazon.com or various brick-and-mortar stores. Um, my name is Stephen Godfrey, and uh, I'm doing a podcast from my parents' house. So, yeah, I, is, are, are they? Are you in a basement? No, oh. I don't have a basement. A lot of a lot of homes in the South don't have basements. Yeah, that's true. When you get to the deep South, you have um, you have a lot of uh, concerns with the structure. I'm also I'm <laughs> in a part of the country that has something called Yazoo Clay, oh, which means right. that you can't dig a basement into the ground. Yeah, uh, Oklahoma just has cellars. For, you know, yeah, storms. you guys have to like like literally dynamite through rock just to build storm <laughs> shelters. So yeah, it's a very similar situation. But yeah, I am podcasting from my parents' house. It feels weird. Um, we're gonna go. I'm gonna give you just a sh- a, a quick left turn. All right, okay. we're not really gonna recap anything because, I mean, come on. But we are gonna do tasting menu. This is your all in one. Thanksgiving episode for the week. A heaping helping. A, a, a second, like two servings in one, like a good Thanksgiving. Um, I do want to point out uh, a lot of people found it just organically as it changed in their in their podcasting feed. So one bit of housekeeping. Yes, we do have new podcast art. Yes, it is awesome and we love it. Yes, it was a long time coming, um, <laughs> like a year and a half. Um, yes, those of you a long time ago, like really – founder status og podcast name play nobody listeners submitted i asked you guys trying to think how long ago how long ago did we solicit that bill two years ago maybe i mean literally yeah, it may have been two, I think years it was ago. two years ago like the summer uh, after our first yeah, year where we said hey send us your most meaningful score to a game the game that mattered the most to you so it was really just like team score team score we didn't do like the full box score whatever uh for those of you who are curious because you can't get a high-res image yet yes your your score is in there your score makes up the letters p-a-p-n as it's imposed and then like superimposed and then reversed and then all this other stuff that our graphic design uh team did at vox what we're going to do in sort of honor of you guys being, um, you know, really cool about sending us those scores, uh, and then believing that we were actually still going to do the project after all this time, um, we are going to tape a standalone episode, probably for I would I would say almost certainly during the holiday break around Christmas, uh, when we're out, um, f- just so we can celebrate the holidays with our families. Uh, we will do a, a standalone episode. So if you submitted, I still have the the list somewhere in an Excel doc and your names and the scores and everything. And then Bill and I can, uh, we will go through one by one and talk about every score that makes up the new PAPN art. It's not too many. I want to say it's like 60 or 70. I don't know. It feels like yeah. a normal length podcast yeah, something for us like to that. talk about. It's not, yeah. yeah. I think we had a, and I think we even have one or two repeats in there, ironically. Um, so some of you are sharing the same vaunted or cherished memory. Um, we will do a standalone episode, talk about those scores, and also put up a high res image. Those of you who have asked about the image appearing in merchandise or anything else, TBD. <laughs> we don't know. Um, I would love to say yes, but we don't know. <laughs> um, okay, I have to bring this next topic up because. It's shown up on my Twitter, on your Twitter, on the hashtag, on the Reddit. Um, People are being very aggressive about it, and in this case, I actually like that. What is the name, without without looking, of the trophy or the rivalry game between the University of Kentucky and the University of Louisville? Uh, 
I have a Papa John's joke that's trying to get out right now, but I have absolutely no idea. I believe it is the Commonwealth Cup. Oh, that's actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Duh. Yes. Yeah. And I am wrong. The Commonwealth Cup is Virginia and Virginia Tech. Okay, never this mind. Is, it sounded so, good, though. This is the problem, right? Louisville-Kentucky rivalry. It sounded great. I was, I was with you. So here's a weird thing. It doesn't really have a designation. No. Uh, Governor's Cup. See. Governor's Cup. That yes. sucks. Yeah, it does. That sucks. So there's a petition going around, and whoever's been pushing this on all of our different platforms, God bless you. There's a petition going around. I don't know if like if you should or could sign it if you don't like live in the state or have some sort of connection to one of these two schools. But um, so here's here's this is LouisvilleSportsLive.net. I just gave you guys a shout out. Um, guy named Connor Shea. It's officially right. Oh wait, oh yeah, I know Connor. He shows up in our in our yeah. Reddit. Um, so it's officially rival week. Blah blah blah. Thirty first battle of the Governor's Cup. Uh, there should be some added excitement with UK bringing blah 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 blah. Uh, the Governor's Cup is not only a dull, boring name for such an intense rivalry, but it's also a generic name that many other rivalries use. My solution, change the name of the game to something not only unique, but specifically something unique to the state of Kentucky, the Bourbon Bowl. Uh, I would totally do this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm down with this. Why? Have we, I mean, couldn't you just literally have like a a bronzed fifth of bourbon? And I don't mean that in a joke. Like, like doesn't that make the most sense for these two programs? <laughs> that promotes alcohol, the sale of alcohol. We cannot do that in college. Well, sports. I mean, I'm pretty sure we're you still going to buy. We're still going to reprimand. We're going to reprimand Brooklyn Hager for saying that Oklahoma well, sucks I, because we can, nobody's allowed to say that word. Bill, I think you can buy alcohol at at, at least one of these stadiums. I'm pretty sure you can. I mean, I'm, I'm for it. I'm just going to, like, somebody will huff and puff and, and prevent that from happening. I don't know. It's weird, man. This is one of those places. It's 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 also, like, this and extreme Catholic culture where there's, like, alcohol at every family event. Right. Um, there's, I, I mean, people are pretty open with their bourbon consumption in the state of Kentucky and the city of Louisville. So I think this one might be, uh, actually be able to fly. Oh, wait, look, I'm wrong again. We go back to Connor. While the NCAA does not permit any alcoholic beverage over 6% alcohol. See, yeah, I was right. You can buy beer at some of these stadiums, but you can't buy, like, you can't go and have uh, the little bar to the side of the beer stand that you see at some stadiums. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean you couldn't call it the Bourbon Bowl. I mean, it's such an influential piece of Kentucky culture, American culture for that matter. What do we have to do to make this happen? Do we have any power here? By the way, I just called Breckenhager Brooklyn Hager. I think it might, when I was doing my little mocky rant I there, so. it works. I mean, Brooklyn Hager's fine too, I guess. It works. Um, by the way, did you know that uh, that Western Kentucky versus Marshall is the moonshine throwdown? <laughs> That's real. I mean, so obviously, it, then Florida Georgia isn't every Marshall game a moonshine throwdown? Ha, 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 <laughs> and then Florida Georgia is the world's largest outdoor right. cocktail party. Yeah, but they App changed state. That. App State versus Western Carolina is the battle for the Old Mountain Jug, which means means moonshine. That one I've heard of. Um, And then check this one out. I can't even say this other school, but Coast Guard versus Rensselaer Polytechnic is called (laughs) the Shot Glass Trophy Game. Okay. The the Coast Guard and RPI get to play for a shot glass. Okay. Well, maybe maybe this is looking things are looking up now. Makes, it, it clearly makes the most sense. Just pour bourbon into the governor's cup. No? Okay. All right. You guys were so persistent on that one that I had to include it in the show. And by the way, Curly Shea uh, in the comment also mentioned that I, somebody should teach me how to pronounce Louisville. I'm going to pronounce it however the hell I want. Kiss my ass. Well, Louisville's different than the like the Nevada, 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 like that where there's it's a one it's it's one way or the other. There's actually, I mean, there's jokes in the city of Louisville. There's you, you actually see signs and T-shirts where there's like eight different ways to pronounce that. Well, city. I think I pronounce all eight. Just just it's just whatever comes out of my mouth. I'm a, I'm a writer. You're not supposed to be able to actually listen to words that I say. This was an accident. So I usually hit the vol. I don't, I very rarely say vil. I think in Oklahoma, like growing up, it was Ville. I think I've incorporated Ville. Sometimes it still comes out Ville. It's just it's a it's a crapshoot. Um, and it's Nevada. And they want us to say Nevada. Yes. So strange. Nevada. 
I, I I know there's actual Nevada Nevada listeners, but I and and they say that it should be the latter, not the former. But I just a really tough time with that one. Yep, a really really tough time. With that. All right, Bill, let's uh, let's scoot through some questions, um, and then we will go to uh, not an abbreviated tasting menu, but you know it's it's going to get weird as we move closer towards the end here. Um, let's just jump right into it. You ready? Yep. Um, I'm working on what seven, eight different little coaching item things that are going to be. Yeah, you just, just dropped peppered. a whole bunch of knowledge into our Slack room this morning. Yeah, just sort of peppered into the SB Nation content this week, myself and and Richard. Uh, someone asks, and we'll give context for this in a second. Tom says, if Franklin does go to USC, who could Penn State realistically have a shot at getting, and who should they try to get? So, what Tom is referencing is the fact that a lot of people in the media have put James Franklin's name out there as a potential candidate at USC if they are to move on from Helton. Um, I can tell you that I do think they, that USC will move on from Helton. Um, I think the only thing that would save his job right now is beating Notre Dame. So would you like to, um, would you like to divorce me of the notion that that could happen? Let's see. Notre Dame currently per S and P has only a 71% chance of beating USC. Okay. So there's a 29% chance that Helton can save his job. That's very stu- – like, we, we hear about this, unless he wins this game. Like, no, you, you don't fire a coach because of a game. Make your decision before – like, I almost respect Colorado in that regard because technically they could still pull an upset and, and make a bowl this year, uh, but they went ahead and fired McIntyre anyway. Um, and that's – like, I, I, I think I made uh, – I, I instinctively or reflexively, I almost go in the other direction too. Sometimes we're like, well, you could still make a bowl. Why would you fire him? But at the same time, it's it, big picture is why you fire a guy. Uh, yeah. So, so power to them for that. I think based on what I've been told that the logic there in terms of the one game to save your season or save your career, da, 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 like I think it's mainly because this team did win the conference last year. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. this there- team did win the conference last year. They, However, still looked ill-prepared for this year. That's for sure. Sure. Yeah, I I mean, uh, if they want to... Th- these are half-hearted uh, defenses I'm about to get for Clay Helton. You know that I was never really a fan of that hire to begin with. But uh, from a general... From, from a, like, pull up their stat profile right now. Their second-order win total, that... that you know, the way that one of the ways I look at, at randomness and, and whether somebody should have won or whatever, uh, there's right now they should be a seven and 14. They lost um, a toss up game, like what was a statistical toss up game to Texas that got out of control in a, in a Texas sort of way. They had a 70% chance post, uh, 70% post game win expectancy against Arizona State, 63% against Cal. Uh, so really, they should have won two out of those three games. They should be seven and four right now. And if they're seven and four with the same number forty-one S and P plus ranking, which is, isn't horrible, um, I don't think we're talking about firing Helton. It's still t- they're forty-first, and you should never be forty-first at USC. I get that, and so I really can't defend Helton all that hard. But they have been unlucky. Their turnovers luck figure. I mean, minus uh, one and a half points per game. They've lost three. Let's see, one, two, three, three one possession games so far. Like, like they're not. If he is retained, this is the other thing I'll, I'll kind of frame it as. Sometimes, you know, Daniels is a freshman. Uh, uh, Vaughn's and St. Brown are both are, are a sophomore and a freshman. Velas Jones is a sophomore. The defense has a few seniors, but still some freshmen and some juniors and all that. Like they'll, they'll be fine. If, if they keep him, he can, he'll probably get them back to top 20 or 25 level next year. And then probably more from there. But that's still, again, like if, if you want to just pull the trigger, they won the SC, uh, the PAC 12 last year. They still weren't all that great. They were disappointing last year compared to what they should have been. Um, and so you, you can certainly justify it, but you don't have to, if you, if, if Lindsay wants to take another year, that's fine. He, he can do that. The reason why I think they can't is that they're, they're falling into the grasping greener on the UCLA side, which makes absolutely no sense. We know that, but that's, it, it's Chip Kelly has him shook. He does. I don't even <laughs> know if it's legit at all. I mean, but, how can you, you know, three and eight Chip Kelly, you got to account for that. Um, I think they fear – I think there's been a long-standing, ever-growing fear in Heritage Hall that they were going to become – the day would come and it would happen very, very fast where they would become relics overnight and their way of doing things and their tradition would work against them and their their decision-making process would work against them. I wouldn't well, say their they, tradition as being a powerful winning college football program, but just the – they do things a little bit differently. And, and they shouldn't. <laughs> 
you know, we, we, they preach, don't, for, we preach for diversity types. of thought in college football, but maybe not the way they do stuff. Yeah, like, I mean, a lot of tradition is good. I'm just in this, when, when it comes to, you know, well, I mean, we've talked about this a million times. Their idea of, of, you know, tradition is hiring somebody who knows USC's tradition when all of their best hires ever have been guys who weren't ever a part of USC before then. Um, so their tradition should be hiring from outside the family because that's what has won them games. But they uh, continue to look inward when they shouldn't, and it's been a big mess. So I I am curious. So not a big mess. It has worked out just fine occasionally. Um, but it's still, they are not what they should be. And it will probably take some, hopefully this, you know, with the new athletic director, even though he's also an insider, um, Mm -hmm. hopefully if they decide to make a move, they do look, they, they open the umbrella completely countrywide to look at their best candidates. And I think they probably will. Oh, I can tell you for sure. This will not be, this will not be a search limited to uh, an obvious USC connection per candidate. I don't even think that's possible. They'd get laughed at. I mean, hey, how would you even some pretty impressive recruiting things at, at FAU? I mean, all joking aside, you would be looking at what your the coaches you've already fired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, seriously, there's, how, there's like really... assemble me right now a USC candidate pool that doesn't include retreads. It's not. I don't think it's possible. Pete Carroll. <laughs> I mean, it's just that era has ended in its time. I, I think they're aware now that you can't just hold on to a vestige of the Pete Carroll run. You cannot do it. It's hurting your program. So uh, the question was actually about Penn State. Yeah. Um, yes, by the way, Franklin will be a candidate there. Um, I'm not trying to, to play the what's better than one situation da, 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 yet. Um, but yeah, uh, he, he'll be a, he'll be a candidate there. Um, Penn State has a wealth of options. Yeah. This job is good again. This job is great. I'm sorry. I should stop, edit. This job is great again. It is. It's the what it's inarguably the third best job in the in the Big Ten, which is you know yeah. the second best conference in the country. Yeah, not sure about that, but yeah. What on average, that? probably yeah. Okay. Yeah, on average. I mean, I didn't that. mean like yeah. yeah, I just mean on average. Um uh you know, given the right year. I mean, Michigan. Michigan is over. Michigan overtook them this year, I think. But well, certainly, yeah. If you want to play it out over the last couple of years, I think it's neck and neck with Michigan. It's a job you can. It's a job that can be very dangerous. You can do a lot of good stuff. Like, yeah. um, I'm speaking in generalities because I don't want to nail down anything specific compared to. Well, here's the other thing: we don't know what's going to happen at Ohio State. There's been volatility there all year. Um, this is a premier job. This is not like the situation that they faced when they did hire Franklin. And I'm not trying to shortchange him or his staff. It's just that I think you're going to have a ton of options. Now, what would they do? Um, Mississippi State. I do think, yeah. I mean, I think if if Penn State is open, the the two most immediate obvious candidates are Matt Rule, uh, former Penn State linebacker, and Joe Moorhead the offensive coordinator that brought them the most success they've had in however many years. Yeah. Um, Moorhead left on great terms with Penn state, great terms with Franklin too, um, is well liked is from Pittsburgh. Um, and then obviously Matt rules, a native son. Um, I I've been a, f- a fan. I've been impressed with the steadiness that they're, that they're achieving down there on a very long road. Yeah. Um, we have mentioned before that there's still a chance the NCAA tries to come in and swing a hammer on Baylor. Um, I think it makes it, it's it makes a ton of sense for those two guys uh, to be you know one one a whatever at least at least uh, interview with Penn State. But here's the thing: just like we got done saying with USC, Bill, Penn State does not have to have a Penn State person. Right. That thinking put them in a world of hurt. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to tell a joke. I'm serious. So. You know, I think Matt Rule's a great coach on his own merits. Um, and I do think that he would talk to Penn State because of the obvious connections there. But Penn State doesn't have to go find a Penn State person. Right. Um, they can go out and they can cast a really, really wide net. And as we know, that mid-Atlantic area from Pennsylvania into the Carolinas has been this – it's increasingly more talented in recruiting and more volatile in who's like laying claim to that territory. <laughs> so it's a very interesting place for college football in terms of territories right now. In fact, I don't know if there's a more interesting place um, since Kirby has been hired at Georgia and sort of arrested the attention of the city of Atlanta in recruiting. Um, 
I think the Mid-Atlantic, it, it, it's large portions of it are unclaimed by, by a single school. Whereas, you know, you might have a wax and wane and a change in a city like Houston because Texas A&M joined the SEC. LSU has an increasing population in that area. But by and large, the players are still the same. Um, I think Penn State lives and dies there. They can do extremely well there. Maryland's about to have a new head coach. There's some interesting stuff going on there. Um, <laughs> yeah, by the way, sure. congrats to Jason Kirk. Um, our editor has been trying to will a heavy car- coaching carousel for, to happen for about the last month or so when it looked like it wouldn't. And it seems like he's getting his way now. Um, it happened fast because um, – well, I guess I technically have, it hasn't happened yet, but it does seem well, like it's going to. I, the the uh, either anticipation or anxiety or angst or whatever you want to call it, that happened fast because yeah. I – the four or five people that I talked to just to compare notes and rumors and sort of check the temperature on and then, you know, like that start with those people, it went from it's going to be a quiet year, it's going to be a quiet year, it's going to be a quiet year. And then like September ended, we didn't have a surprise – October ended, you kind of felt like one or two things might happen. And then in the last 10 days, it's like this one snuck up on on the college football community in a way that they haven't in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, USC has. Well, I mean, I guess that's been a little bit of a slow thing, but then they lost to UCLA. So obviously that's going to pick up steam. Uh, but a lot of them, yeah, like a lot of the changes that come that are seem to be coming about now, midseason, you could make the case that it wasn't even on the table. Auburn, for example. Um, you never know. Yeah, <laughs> We'll see how that Egg Bowl goes. Um, one thing I want to get into, uh, this is actually it's as much of a breaking news item as we can do on this show. Uh, this just came across Twitter. It's something I want to mention because it answers the question that we've been asked about realignment a hundred times this season. So this is breaking. Uh, I'm pulling this off of CNBC. Bidding has begun for the 22 regional sports TV networks. Uh, wow. Sorry, this lead is actually an incomplete sentence because yeah. they just they just put it up on their website. Uh, bidding has begun for the 22 regional sports TV networks. Disney acquired them from 21st Century Fox. Um, what that means is the regional sports nets uh, that they have control of now, Amazon is basically now a major bidder on a bunch of the regional sports networks that would have to go away for the Disney merger to go through. This is very interesting. Um, so in other words, as Walt Disney absorbs the Fox uh, television properties, this is the whole thing where people are talking about like, oh man, the Marvel movies are going to get X-Men and all that, like that huge corporate deal. Um, all of your, what do you have where you live? What is it? Fox Sports St. Louis? Um, Midwest, Midwest. Okay. Yeah. I have Fox sports, Tennessee. They carry the predators games. And then I also get Fox sports Southeast, which gives me like the Braves and the Hawks. So, uh, all of those regional networks are up for bid. Amazon is swooping in on them. This is important. This is very, very important. I can't tell you what will happen, but I'm telling you now, as you guys look and pontificate and try and figure out what's the big 12 going to do, what would, is there a realignment shake? This is that first glacial turn for the landscape to start getting volatile again and reshaping again because now you have what the largest is they're bigger than Walmart, right? They're the largest retailer in America, right? I believe so. Yes. Um, they are now now they're getting into the television rights business. And it's a small piece <clears throat> when you think about like the contracts and how they pay out money. Like this isn't ESPN, which is Disney. This isn't, uh, you know, CBS like, it, but this is very, very important because if they acquire these regional sports networks, Bill, they're not doing it because they love those channels. They're doing it for the inventory that's associated with them. Right. And college sports provides a ton of inventory. So look out. <laughs> Could be very uh, the, interesting. By far the, the grossest paragraph in this quick CNBC article is, in addition to Amazon, Apollo Global Management, KKR and company, the Blackstone Group, Sinclair Broadcast Group, and TEGNA have also made first-round bids for the full slate of networks. Um, Blackstone Group's like private equity and head funds, I believe. I don't really... They would probably, I, I assume they're buying it. Wouldn't they be purchasing on behalf of something? I Someone, some entity? Yes. I don't... Uh, that would be a really weird. I'm just going to assume Amazon wins this battle, but uh, that's well, weird. I mean, I wouldn't rule out because they just said bit, bidding has begun. Right. Keep in mind, Facebook is still playing around with like Ugh. how they want to deploy Stadium. Yeah. Hopefully, they're too distracted to really get involved in this. Again, too much. inventory, 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 y'all. 
This is this is the key thing. Ugh. But the reason why this could be good is that you have now diversity in the buyer side. And so the more potential platforms that changes the bidding, that changes the demand structure, it's not all basically absorbed by the giant ESPN monolith. And that's a good thing because yeah. that means that means uh, hopefully more diverse rights and carriage deals for the actual conferences. You know, instead yeah. of having I mean, we go back when ESPN Plus was announced. We were in favor. I, I like I like ESPN Plus. I like potentially the idea that they're going to like engineer programming that focuses on the Sun Belt and and the Mac. But wouldn't it be better if you just had like an entire network that, that competed against those entities that that could really throw all their love behind a particular conference? <clears throat> right. Um, there's potential there for that. We'll see. Although, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know how much you can maximize audience for for some of these games, you know? Well, right. I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> – I mean, whatever. Like, exposure is exposure. People can decide whether to watch it or not. But, like, right now you're not – like, with B, like Conference USA's Game of the Week being on BN, most people can't even have the choice to watch it or not. So, Yeah, um, absolutely. All right, where are we going next before we uh, uh, jump over and do Tasting Menu? BBJD7 on the Reddit uh, Ask PAPN thread says, should Texas State look at North Texas under Latrell as a blueprint for making their hire? If so, which young OC would you call first? Yurcic, Spavital, Spavital, Harrell, Morris all come to mind. Um, Morris, 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 Morris. It's not Chad Morris, obviously. Uh, man, no. I'm blanking on... Anyway, um... Yeah, Texas State just came open, and I feel I almost feel bad for uh, for Everett Withers because he really did get things figured out on one side of the ball. Um, the what maybe the most interesting box score from this prep past weekend actually uh, was the te- the Texas State Troy game because let's see, you had uh, I mean it was a gross game. It was twelve seven was the final, um, but that doesn't even tell the story. Troy, uh, Texas State in that game. Uh, gained 284 total yards and turned the ball over six times. They were nine for 23 passing with five picks. They lost a fumble um, and they still only lost 12, seven. They gave up 220 yards to to a good Troy, uh, you know, a nearly top 40 Troy team here. Um, They they held Troy to 79 yards passing. They just really, they, they fought and fought and fought and held Troy to a bunch of field goals um, and got the ball back with a chance to win late in the game. Like, obviously, you know, it's one game, so, you know, you shouldn't make a decision off that, but it really kind of crystallized what Texas State has become this year and that they have a very, very good defense, top 50 defense now. Uh, 48th in defensive S&P plus 122nd in offensive S&P plus. Um, and so that's kind of interesting. If you think about, you know, the, I don't think it was Seth Luttrell being an offensive assistant. Why North Texas is good. Seth, I mean, North Texas is good right now because Seth Luttrell is a very good head coach. Uh, and he was able to establish an identity and you figure in, in the state of Texas, especially, you know, it's, it's probably easier to create an offensive identity than a defensive identity. Um, so maybe there is something to that, but you know, if they wanted to just lean extra hard into the defense thing, uh, to where they're zigging when everybody else in the state is zagging, that's, that's fine too, but you got to be better than 122nd in offensive S and P plus you got to be, you know, at least around a hundredth or so if there were a hundredth in offense this year. They'd be like seven and four right now. Yeah. Um, so, like, it really does come down to the just hire, hire competence and hire a guy who can establish an identity um, one way or the other. And, and it's probably offense in that state. I do think, by the way, Graham Harrell's going to be a hell of – like, I, he is very much past – I mean, dude's younger than I am, but he's, he's very much past his first test, his first real test at the college level in terms of coaching. So I figure he's, he's probably on a fast track at this point. Those names are fine. Um, I, I do think Texas is the way to go this time versus outside. Um, yeah, I haven't heard like a single name that jumps out. Everybody wanted to put Kendall Bryles on that thing, but um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just I think that was that, that was armchair stuff. I will say, I mean, if Yurcich uh, at Oklahoma State is going to make a movie, probably needs to do it soon because soon he's going to be he's going to be like. How many years now? Five, four or five? Uh, at least five. Let's see. Mike, you're His first game as OC was – I covered it. It was against Mississippi State in Houston. He's 43 years old now. He's been at Oklahoma State since since 2013. 
Um, so, I mean, Chad, you know, it took Chad Morris a while. That's fine. Uh, but it, at some point you do like, th- there's a window to these things and you figure he yeah. might, you know, if he wants to remain a, a hot name, he needs to probably take a job soon. So it'll be interesting to see what his agent gets him involved with, I guess. You can do things in San Marcos. Yeah. I mean, it's like, a, like we said before, the location is perfect. It's right there. Oh, Hey, Hey. Uh, that means we, so I had to set a timer because we are so terrible at remembering to actually no stop go away. Um, yeah, right there. We're, we're t- we're, we struggle to remember to stop midway to in in to uh, insert the ad reads. Uh, so before we get to the tasty menu, uh, listen to co- advertiser content from Dell Cinema about how binge watching has changed everything. Kayla loves. TV. I like to tell people that I invented binge watching TV shows. I'm in it for the long haul. And chances are you're a lot like Kayla. Over 70% of Americans are binge watchers and they feel a deep connection to both the characters and the screens they're watching them on. Dr. Emil Steiner is an assistant professor who studies binge watching at Rowan University. With the newer screens that are now available because of the crispness, the higher fidelity, they allow viewers to see a more realistic world. And that social realism creates greater feelings of connection with the people on those screens. According to Steiner, it's not just screen size and clarity that creates that deeper connection. The technology today allows viewers to control not just what they watch, but where and when they watch it. And this is great news for Kayla. I used to feel truly embarrassed about the amount of binge watching that I engage in, but I feel grateful that the culture is totally supportive of this type of hobby that I have. If you're a person who can never say no to one more episode, check out the Dell XPS 13 with Dell Cinema Technology. For incredible sound, color, and streaming, it's the laptop for people who watch things on their laptop from Dell Computers. Bill, let's talk about the actual football parts of this football podcast football situation. All right. Um, If you are, and a lot of people are, it's amazing how fast people respond to our podcast as soon as it, like a lot of people listen as soon as it goes up. That's crazy. Yeah. They get that little notification on their phone or whatever. And then, man, I wish I had a life like that. Um, So some of you are listening to this almost in real time. We can go ahead and say that on November 20th, tonight, Tuesday, Mm -hmm. you've got a little bit of action. So at six o'clock central time, God's time zone. Northern Illinois goes to Western Michigan on ESPNU, and Ball State goes to Miami of Ohio on ESPN Plus. You uh, you want to make a pick there, Bill? <laughs> um, Miami Ohio always does the exact opposite that I that I think they're going to do. So I say they get upset in, in, a, in a massive upset by Ball State. It would be a massive upset. Miami's figured some things out of late. They're a pretty good football team, so naturally they'll lose. Um, meanwhile, Western Michigan has completely collapsed over the last, uh, I think three weeks or so. Let's see. As of after week eight, they were six and two and up to 74th in S and P plus. They have lost their last three games two they blowouts, terrible. two, two giant blowouts to Toledo and Ohio at home. And then they lost to the aforementioned bad ball state, uh, via last second, two point conversion miss, uh, last weekend during, uh, match. And they are now 98th in S and P plus they fall, falling 24 spots in a month is pretty hard to do, but they pulled it off. So, I mean, if that trend continues, they're going to get thumped by, uh, NIU and I, not amazing, especially on offense, uh, but they're better than this. And they're set. There is seven and four. They're six and one in conference play. There are 69th nice in, um, in in S and P plus, they are clearly the better team all of a sudden. Uh, but we just have to see like things change, plots t- get twisted. But you know, if trends continue, they win this one pretty easily. That's a boat that needs rowing, my friend. That magic's gone, isn't it? It's just amazing. You should, we should go back and chart like when your darling Matt coach left. How long did it take you to fall back to earth? <laughs> yeah, it took Bowling Green a little while after uh, after Urban Meyer left, but. Um... Yeah, no, it, and it happened mid-season. They, they really did. They they came out, they lost to Syracuse and Michigan, and then they got hot. They got on a nice little roll here, and then uh, suddenly they were not on a roll anymore. Thanksgiving, 
Thursday, November 22nd. We have two college games, and I didn't know about the first one. Colorado State goes to Air Force at 2.30 on CBS Sports Network. So if you don't want to watch NFL, watch that. Uh, if you don't want to watch the the crime scene that's going to happen on Thanksgiving night, you can watch potentially another crime scene in the Egg Bowl <laughs> as Mississippi State goes to Oxford uh, on ESPN at 6.30. Um, also it says over our friends over at LSU football.net's TV schedule, it says Mississippi Valley is at Alabama state at 2 PM. And it just has a link that says video. Um, so (laughs) maybe if you're interested in that, um, so as far as the egg bowl should be in the bag for Mississippi state, none of the problems that they have had are anything that Ole Miss could manage or exploit. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a rivalry game, and it's in Oxford, so you know that opens the door. But it's like you know, S and P says like two sixty-seven percent win probability for Mississippi State. Ole Miss is not a terrible team by any stretch of the imagination, uh, mainly because their offense isn't terrible. Obviously, um, uh, who was it? Demarcus Lodge uh, was was limping around the other day, and and they ended up losing to Vanderbilt, getting screwed at the end of that Vanderbilt game, by the way. Um, but so that yeah, they're not bad, and and they could certainly. Um, you know, just mess around and and produce an un, unexpected result. That's yeah. it, that happens in this game, but I mean, there's no question who the better team has been. Arkansas, or excuse me, Mississippi State destroyed Arkansas. They're up to 11th in S and P plus despite the losses, which has really made LSU fans fans very happy this week. Um, they're now behind. Not, not only the uh, Auburn and uh, Florida, although I guess they lost to Florida, but they're also behind. Um, the good old Mississippi State. So you know, uh, Ole Miss grumble, has this grumble, thing grumble. where the the offense is so good, has such a high ceiling that fans get delusional about their chances against quality teams. But when the other team has a really effective, aggressive front seven, mm-hmm. Ole Miss's offense is not that good. Well, right. I mean, you got to have time to. You know, you got a nice deep uh, vertical passing game at times, yes. um, and you need those guys to get downfield. And so, yeah. yeah and so, you if you've certainly... seen Mississippi State play this year, you know that that's. Not a matchup that favors the no. Rebels. No, no, no. no. Mississippi State should win this game, but they do have going for them the simple fact that things have gotten weird in this game and and reasonably recently. By the way, I just pulled it up. Uh, there is a reason for Western Michigan uh, falling apart. John was mm. their quarterback uh, injured his ankle, I believe, either before the uh, Toledo game or during the Toledo game, and they've basically fallen apart since then. So there you go. Um. Your pick's the Egg Bowl there. Uh, Friday, yeah, well, I'm going to yeah. run through the entire slate of Friday games, and we can just kind of pick and choose there since the time the, the time slots don't really they don't really warrant us picking late. No, no, no. I'll, wa- I'll watch this. You can kind of flip around and absorb the entire day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll just, we'll bla- this is all of Black Friday, uh, starting at 11 a.m. Central. CBS Sports Network has Akron at Ohio. Bowling Green, uh, I'm sorry, Buffalo is at Bowling Green on ESPNU. Houston is at Memphis on ABC. Nebraska is at Iowa on Fox. And Texas is at Kansas on FS1. Those are the 11 o'clock games. Uh, moving into the mid-afternoon slot, at 1.30, Arkansas. What, do you have a name for this? Arkansas is at Missouri on CBS on so 1.30 uh, Central. It's a dumb name that I've blocked out of my head. Um, yeah. It has nothing just to go do with, with – like, It's not like, the battle for Branson, which is what I want. Like the loser has to take Branson for the next uh, – you, you, Can you incorporate something to do with the boot heel? Uh, no, they went with the battle line rivalry. That sucks. Very stupid. Horrible. Horrible. That sucks. Over on CBS Sports Network at 2.30 Eastern East Carolina is at Cincinnati. Uh, The original Commonwealth Cup that I mentioned earlier, Virginia Virginia (laughs) Tech, is at at 2.30 on ABC. Oregon is at Oregon State. That's the Civil War on FS1. UCF is at South Florida. That's the battle uh, of or for I-4. I don't know. I've covered that game. I should know. That's at three fifteen. Like the winner doesn't get to claim I four. So I would. Well, they get a giant off. like they get they a do, giant yeah. bronze interstate sign. Right. <laughs> um, three fifteen on ESPN for that. Uh, Oklahoma is at West Virginia at seven p.m. on ESPN, and then seven thirty on Fox is the inarguable game. Oh yeah, day. it's the Apple Cup. It's Washington. Well, yeah, that's a Washington lovely. State. Pair to flip back and forth for uh, yeah. on that evening slate. That's all. By nice the way, just oh, I will mention this very quickly. Mm-hmm. You have a trio of uh, Max Sun Belt games: Central Michigan, Toledo, Coastal Carolina, South Alabama, Eastern Michigan, Kent State. They're all on ESPN three and ESPN plus. Those are all on Friday. Um, so yeah, game of the day is the Apple Cup. Yeah, um, we'll we'll also have the Big Twelve title game decided for us that day. 
mm-hmm. uh, with, with, you know, assuming Texas beats Kansas, which they didn't last time they were there, you know, believe it or not, if you remember that. We've never mentioned it since then. Um, and, that, and then the, like, so it would be Texas versus the winner of Oklahoma, West Virginia. Um, <clears throat> this is a nice so, day of football. Yeah, it's, it's it, really it is, nice and, and I'm I'm loving that my the game I will be attending in 50 degrees and rain uh, will be over in time for the evening uh, slate there. But uh, you know, Houston Memphis is probably yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a nice game too. This is rivalry week. This is where all the the games that we've been storing up over the last couple of weeks start to show up. Uh, the games we've been waiting for for like a month now they start to to play out, and we get some of them on Friday. Uh, Missouri's obviously going to be fine against Arkansas. Cincinnati's going to be fine against East Carolina. This is an, a, a peak anxiety bowl game, uh, more so than I, I can ever really remember for Virginia Tech yeah. against Virginia. And then I think, wouldn't go so far as to say a trap, but I think South Florida can make it fun and interesting against UCF. Well, certainly. And that's another game that uh, has not necessarily, well, it certainly didn't play to type last year. USF played a way over its head uh, and almost won at UCF. So, I mean, there's still absolutely UCF is, or USF, excuse me, is is flaky and schizophrenic and, and great one game and terrible the next and all that. But they're still a dangerous team. They're an athletic team. Um, the best thing I've seen about the Apple Cup so far, and we try to shy away from like this, the weird kind of lionizing of the Mike Leach persona, but... <laughs> They were talking at Peterson. I guess it was just his weekly press conference this week, and they said, when was the last time you talked to, to Leach? And he said it was at a conference coaches meeting, and Leach shows up. He's the only one who's late. He shows up a half hour late, and he's got In-N-Out with him. In-N-Out Burger, <laughs> like he shows up with his own food. Um, yeah, I love everything about So he was probably in line. That's why he was late. Yeah. Um, I love everything about this game. I love everything about the history of this game going into this week, like between these two coaches and and the problems that Wazoo's had versus the strengths that they have this year, the inconsistency of Washington. There's, it is a beautiful series of potential storylines. Yeah. So it is by far the most interesting game of the day. And it, I think it'll end really, I think it'll be close and it'll be fun. It really is. I mean, one of these will, if, if this Washington state team can't win this game, um, I don't know if one can like the, the, is this, the this stars have like, here. Did, is this bedlam curse territory? If, <laughs> if, if, if not this year for Washington state, right. It's not, it's not a lifelong curse. Like bedlam mostly has been for, for Oklahoma state, but, um, but no, this is their best chance in a long time. The numbers also like, I mean, I, they've, there have been very like high win Washington state teams that S and P plus didn't really buy. And then this is the game where we find out why S and P hasn't bought Washington state. Yeah. Uh, S and P has them as a, I mean, it's a toss up, but they have them as a technical favorite a 51 to 49% favorite here. Um, so this is an, a truly even game. This is their best chance under Mike Leach. Let's go to Saturday. Um, well, but under will, Mike Leach against Chris Peterson, I said I should say. Sorry. Um, on Saturday, I will. We have just enough to stay with. Um, we'll stay with our our yeah. scheduling it format. Quick, yeah. um, it's a little thin, but obviously it's because a lot of the games are Friday. So, <clears throat> butt bowl. Don't I don't care what you call it. It's the butt bowl. Yeah, they uh, made that Baylor, mistake. They never get to live it down. Baylor and Texas Tech are at Cowboy Stadium in Arlington at 11 a.m. on FS1. Over on ABC, it's Florida and Florida State. Another game that needs a name, has needed a name for years. Uh, Good old-fashioned hate. Georgia Tech at Georgia is at 11 on the SEC Network. Fox has Michigan, the game, Michigan at Ohio State. Um, Let's see. Navy is at Tulane at 11 a.m. on ESPNU. Purdue's at Indiana at 11 a.m. on ESPN2, Syracuse is at BC on ESPN, Western Kentucky goes to La Tech on CBS Sports Network, and then at 11.20 on the ACC Regional Network, it's NC State at UNC. Uh, Ten minutes later, at 11.30, also on the (laughs) ACC Regionals, Wake Forest goes to Duke. We'll stop there. Um, I mean, it's a great lineup. Um, Even the games that are bad are interesting. Like Purdue, Indiana playing for a bowl bid. Florida, Florida State. Florida State, by the way, shout out to Florida State beating BC. Like, big freaking win and badly needed win for one Willie Taggart. <laughs> yeah, they, um, they, I mean, still, still have a chance at a bowl, too. Um, so that that was nice that they at least get to this game. I would recommend not getting blown out by Florida uh, if you want to keep that momentum going. But you got Baylor, that. You Texas got Baylor. Tech could get chippy too. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, you've got Baylor, Texas Tech, which um, Baylor is playing for a bull bit, and Texas Tech, I guess, is kind of playing to keep their coach's name out of a lot of the hot seat lists or or worse. 
as well. So, um, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot Western of plots. Kentucky doing the same. Yeah, Western Kentucky doing the same thing against Louisiana Tech. Um, Louisiana Tech, who lost last week to Southern Miss. Yes, and Western Kentucky yeah. took out a whole bunch of frustration. Went up forty to nothing at halftime against UTEP. By the way, one of my the most randomly entertaining things. Just uh, I, the, I ran. I just came across and really enjoyed last week. Western Kentucky was up forty nothing at halftime. UTEP scores in the third quarter and goes for two. Uh, to make it forty to eight, and I like the I like to think that they were at that point thinking, you know what, we're only five, if we make all our two point conversions, we're only five scores down, and then they made it, and they're like, we're only four scores down, and then they scored again and went for two again and made it again, so they were only three scores down at forty to sixteen, and and then time ran out. But still, I love the thought that you know if we if we do this right, we're we're not we can still do this. I like that. I hope that that's what they were thinking there. Uh, let's move into the afternoon. Oh, I mean, the obvious pick there is the game that we didn't even yeah. mention, which no, is no, Michigan I mean, I, and Ohio State. It's 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 painfully obvious that that is the biggest game on the of the weekend, um, and it's just fascinating from Ohio State perspective. It's fascinating from a Michigan perspective. Speaking of never going to have a better chance, uh, they're never going to have a better chance to win in Columbus than they do right now. This uh, is and, it, and they know it, and that could make things even more interesting. I mean, this is it. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be. This is. I would pencil in some sort of fracas pregame or during <laughs> or sideline so, or, I mean, it's, this is going to be ugly. There are a lot of these, a lot of these Michigan Ohio state games have been overhyped and then just barely lived up to that hype. I don't think you're going to have this problem this year. Like yeah, I think no, it's, be... it is deserving of the hype it gets. And Ohio State's going to be extra intense just because they're going to be, among other things, trying to convince themselves here because they, uh, you know, morale is not incredibly high, even though they managed to win last week. It'll be interesting to see if they let Shea Patterson loose on that defense. That's going to really, be the, I mean, that's really the, probably going to determine the game. Like Michigan doesn't make many big plays, and Ohio State is just handing them out like Halloween candy. Um, so if if they can't take advantage of that, if they can't make some big plays, Ohio State is probably just flips around and becomes the favorite at that point because they are otherwise uh, Ohio State's offense is fine, and they actually have the perfect weapon in that short passing game to neutralize Michigan's pass rush and their blitzing and all that. Like the matchups suddenly favor Ohio State if Michigan can't rip off two or three 50 yard gains like Ohio State has been given to everybody else. Uh, let's move to the afternoon. Uh, 1.30 Central on the Mountain West video stream uh, is Wyoming and New Mexico. Uh, Stanford goes to UCLA at 2 o'clock on the Pac 12 network. Uh, ESPN Goal Line starts at 2 p.m. Hi, Podcat. Uh, the Territorial Cup, Arizona State yes. at Arizona is at 2.30 on FS1, which is also this year's chicken bet, so you go to hell, Jason Kirk. Uh, the Iron Bowl is at 2.30 on CBS. Illinois is at Northwestern at 2.30 on Big Ten Network. Maryland is at Penn State uh, on ABC. Minnesota is at Wisconsin on ESPN2. Uh, ESPN f- regular flavor has Pitt at Miami. SMU is at Tulsa on CBS Sports Network. Temple goes to UConn on ESPNU. And let's see, we move to 3 o'clock. Rutgers is at Michigan State on Fox. SEC Network has uh, another rivalry in desperate need of a name. Tennessee at Vanderbilt and Nashville. Um <clears throat> Uh, oh, we'll throw this in there. Grambling and Southern play at four on NBC yeah. Sports Network, and then we'll stop. Um, we'll stop at the six o'clock block just yeah. uh, to focus on these real fast. Um, I think the Iron Bowl is not going to be a game. Uh, you have to pay attention to it because of the larger implications for Alabama. But meh. Yeah, this is a grab bag. Like, uh, there's an obvious go-to game to start, but this is more of a grab bag of just flip around and see who's see what's happening because yeah you know Alabama has I don't want to say is trending downward because it's the slightest of downward trends but they still kind of seem like they peaked a little while ago they they need to get their mojo back uh, but you would assume this is a very good chance for them to do that um since Auburn's uh, offensive line just can't do enough to 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 protect Stidham and do some of the things they did last year but Otherwise, Maryland um, is the is the team I want to watch here because Maryland is another team. They just played their best lose. game of the year. They, yep, well, they have scored a ton of points against Ohio State, nothing and they have lose. a bowl game to fight for now too. Um, Penn State, I mean, an ugly loss if they were to take it. An ugly yeah, loss. Penn, Penn State's defense has been as good as ever. Uh, they really, like, especially after the early glitches with all the young guys, um, they've really rounded into form. They've rounded into form because they've had to, because the offense has, you know, Trace McSorley hurt his, uh, what, ankle, I think, uh, a, a few games ago. It's hurt his, it's hurt the run game and it's hurt the passing game. 
uh, and they've really just turned into like old school Penn State grind out this these just enough points to win kind of thing. So that's another game. Like I was saying with Michigan, like Maryland can put up big plays on anybody. Penn State doesn't allow many, but Maryland's really good at finding those stress points and ripping off some fifty yarders. And if they can do that three or four times as opposed to once, they could absolutely win that game. All right, let's move to the uh, oh, uh, pick. Uh, it, <laughs> I would really just pick the field and honestly flip yeah. around. Um, yeah, no, Tennessee they, at Vandy like, is actually my pick just because I'm paying attention to that for future story reasons. That's two five and six teams. Um, <clears throat> no love lost. Serious yeah. hatred. A lot of frustration and anxiety for, for Tennessee. Uh, and to lose out on a bull bid yeah. in Pruitt's first year in Nashville. Um, like they were ready to proclaim themselves playoff contenders next year after that Kentucky game. And then they got pants by Missouri. And if they lose to Vanderbilt on top of that. Um, it's going to be real. That's, th- that's going to be a really interesting game. Um, uh, the, the, the one thing I can absolutely recommend about five forty five, flip over to NBC sports and watch the halftime, whatever they show the halftime show of the, of, uh, the Bayou classic. That's going to be yes, your definitely. biggest highlight of the afternoon. All right, let's move to the evening 6 p.m. Uh, on Pac-12 Network, so no one will see it, is Colorado at Cal. Uh, Kurt Roper, interim coach there. Uh, 6 p.m. on FS1, K-State goes to Iowa State. Uh, the Bourbon Bowl, we're going to start it. We'll just, we'll yeah. just keep on it. Uh, Kentucky's at Louisville on ESPN2. San Jose State goes to Fresno on ESPNU. Oof. ESPN has, uh, is it the Palmetto Bowl? It should be. Carolina and uh, South Carolina and Clemson on ESPN's SEC Network has LSU at Texas A&M at 6.30. At 7 o'clock, Notre Dame goes to USC on ABC. Fox has Oklahoma State going to TCU. That sucks for Fox. Um, Nevada goes to UNLV at 8.30 on CBS Sports Network. 9 o'clock is the Holy War BYU in Utah. They finally started playing that game at the end of the season like they're supposed to. Uh, that's on FS1. And then Utah State's at Boise State on ESPN. ESPNU has Hawaii at San Diego State. And there's a couple things I'll mention here in the grab bag real quick. Um, obviously, uh, a, a good game, a fun game to watch always is Louisiana Lafayette and Louisiana yeah. Monroe. Uh, that's at 2 o'clock on ESPN+. <clears throat> Plus. Um, let's see here. A lot of lopsided games here, but a huge one as well is Troy at App State. That's 1.30 yeah. on ESPN+. Plus. And I think that's probably it for the UAB Middle Tennessee is another really good one uh, out of the... Yeah, I didn't mention that one only because I thought UAB would roll, but... Um, okay. Yeah. Picks. Hmm. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go LSU A&M. Yeah, that one, Kentucky-Louisville shouldn't be interesting. Kansas State-Iowa no. State could be. I mean, Kansas State can still salvage a bowl somehow if they win, but I don't think they will. Um, San Jose State-Fresno should be a bloodbath. Car- yeah. South Carolina-Clemson should be a bloodbath, although, I mean, we can still hold out hope that the college football gods have something weird in store for us. I doubt it. Um, <clears throat> Notre Dame-USC, I mean, that should be a game for a while, but Notre Dame is obviously better. <sighs> yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go LSU and A and M. Yeah, I think so. Uh, this is the best night shift, by the way, uh, that we could ask for because you know the BYU, uh, the Holy War is obviously good. Utah State, Boise State should be tremendous. Um, as long as Utah State isn't suddenly terrible after suddenly being terrible last week, I'm going to assume that was because they were looking ahead. They got uh, it out of their system. And got it out of their system. So hopefully they're still good. Um, so that's a great pair of games. To, to By the way, shout out. out to the multiple Utah State uh uh, connected persons, official and unofficial, that are sending yep. us gear, by the way. <laughs> we, um, are whor- we are whores, and we are happy about it. Um, Clem- all right, I got a question. <clears throat> Clemson, South Carolina. Yes. There's nothing, <laughs> There's nothing to that, is there? Well, I mean, probably not. I will say, um, I mean, South Carolina has started to pass the ball a lot better recently than they had been. Uh, they are. I mean, they're actually up to thirty third in offensive S and P plus. They have they, at some point mid season they flipped to like anti must champ where they're thirty third in offense and now seventy second on defense. Wow, uh, that's not really what we signed up for there. Uh, but they can. I mean, they they. they they prevent big plays pretty well. It's really all they do well on defense. They're extremely inefficient. So Clemson and Clemson's run game should be more than enough. But technically, if they find themselves in some third and longs, they get some tip passes or whatever. Uh, they're good on passing downs. They can get off the field on those downs. So I mean, you can sort of talk. You know, if you start with the fact that it's a rivalry game, it's at night. It's in. <clears throat> excuse me. It's in Columbia. Um, 
you can sort of talk yourself into, yeah, maybe, but Clemson has just given you no reason at all lately to even th- to to even think that this might be a game. So it's kind of it's kind of on them too. They're going to have to take their foot off the gas a little bit, otherwise, no. Um, man. Uh, by the way, we should we should definitely mention that uh, you can. Part part of the the draw of these late Saturdays is if you've got a laptop, you've got even if you don't have ESPN Plus, if you've got ESPN three, uh, local the schools themselves will stream once you get down to a certain level here. But one uh, AA playoff start, you've got um, what are the best games? Elon Wofford could be interesting. I think the winner of that plays uh, Kennesaw State. SEMO, Southeast Missouri State, always almost always terrible. They're hosting a playoff game, which is cool. Delaware James Madison at two should be fun. Um, Lamar, Northern uh, Iowa, you at least get the, the dome, whatever their dome is. This is the U and I dome, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always fun. And then in the evening Jacksonville state's playing East Tennessee state. So you got that division two playoffs are rolling. Look at East I, Tennessee can, state coming at literally out of nowhere. Do what? Look East Tennessee. East Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, at the D two level, you've got, uh, the round of 16 because they are, these lower level playoffs are enormous now, but Mm -hmm. again, you can find streaming and there are going to be some interesting Northwest Missouri state Ferris state could be fun. Uh, Unfortunately, Colorado school of mines lost to Colorado state Pueblo, but you've got them against Mankato state Valdosta state is awesome. And they're playing boys Bowie state. Uh, D3, you've got your all your dominant teams, your Mary Harden Baylors, your Mount Unions. Uh, I believe your, yeah, your Wisconsin Whitewater is good again. Muhlenberg, I got to watch some of the Muhlenberg game last week. They're fun. They're playing Randolph-Macon. So really, just search around, keep an eye on scores, find your streaming, pull up. for uh, You can find really intense fourth quarters to watch, if nothing else. So it really does add entertainment value, especially since while well, Friday is awesome and Saturday morning is awesome, the rest of Saturday is only okay. Uh, one thing I want to bring up real fast, we can just peek ahead to the to, to the following week because there are a litany of weather created games happening next weekend yeah. on on Championship Saturday. South Carolina Akron, South Carolina Akron that that's a storm induced game. Um, East Carolina NC State is a storm induced game, and we know Stan- that NC State is legally required to lose that game, which could make uh, Scotty Montgomery's job interesting. Yikes. Um, I did not say that Bill did. Uh, Stanford Cal obviously has to do with the forest fires in California, that being moved. Um, we also have, let's see, there's, a, oh, it's a couple others. Iowa State and Incarnate Word. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a reschedule because Iowa State, I can't remember who they were supposed to play originally and they couldn't because of storms. Um, and then here's my favorite one. Marshall will go to VTech. If. If VTech beats Virginia. Yep. What a strange, strange end of a season. Very, very weird. Um, and so, yeah, those are all your stragglers. Then, of course, you'll have championship stuff's pretty much determined as we go into this weekend. I didn't really mention it because there's not a lot, lot like, uh, I mean, I, you know, the Sun Belt's still to be determined. Uh, Conference USA is still be, to be determined this weekend. Uh, of course, Alabama and Georgia is set. Clemson um, Pitt is set. Northwestern Clemson. versus the Michigan Ohio State winner. Right, right. Um, uh, the the Apple Cup winner versus um, Utah. Utah on Friday night in the Pac-12 championship. Probably Texas versus the West Virginia Oklahoma winner. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I just want to point this out, or not again. I did. I, I pointed this out on my radio spots. We could have a Texas LSU Sugar Bowl. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Awesome. I'm going to that if that happens. Uh, Texas fans uh, have, have yelled at me a lot, so I have no reason to root for that for them, but I, I can root for that, I will say. Well, um, that is a capital ooh. N narrative. All right, Bill. <laughs> um, so that's the tasty menu. Have a good yes. Thanksgiving, everyone. Um, Absolutely. Somebody asked, uh, by the way, uh, somebody asked us in the Reddit thread what yeah. we're thankful for this offseason yeah. or this, this Thanksgiving. Um, you guys. We're thankful for you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, and by the way, I can go ahead and already tell you that uh, the S&P Plus recap show will happen on Sunday. It will not be up early in the day. The, <laughs> the tour of death for the Godfrey family ends on Sunday. So I will okay. be getting back to Nashville dinner time on Sunday after about nine days of traveling because we're staying home for Christmas. So um, you just call and we just record. I can read the S&P rankings to you from the road. Well, I mean, I could just do it from the car like we did. Like, I, you know, I was on a phone line uh, for last week's recap when I was in New Orleans. Uh, I would just be in a car with a dog, a wife, and two children under four. <laughs> Which uh, entertainment value? Mm, 
or terrifying. So, all right, uh, Bill, I'll see you on Sunday. Absolutely.